let's go over to the Word of God this morning in John chapter 15 again. John chapter 15. We uh, began a series two weeks ago. This is our third part today called Effective Powerful Prayers. Effective Powerful Prayers. The Lord gave me that title. He put it in my heart. Not just prayers, but effective, powerful prayers. Amen. Father, help me to communicate this morning. I yield my mind, my spirit, everything in me. I yield it to you, Father, for you to speak through me. We thank you for utterance. We thank you for wisdom. I thank you, Lord, for bringing us up out of the miry clay and putting our feet on a rock, which is the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, that none of our steps will slide. You said that, Lord. And so I thank you today, Lord, for establishing us in the Word of God, in Jesus' name, and all that agreed said. Amen. amen and amen. God wants us to have, I'll just reiterate just a couple of things here, that God wants us to have a powerful prayer life. Amen. After all, we're talking to the God that made the universe when we pray. We're not talking to a wall. Amen. Let me go as far as to say this. You're not talking to a God that's a billion trillion miles away. Amen. I forget, I don't know who said it, maybe somebody knows here, but you know, there's a lot of talk about revival. You know, there's the, that revival that broke out in that college campus, you know. Well, it's now in 20 different locations, okay? Well, I got news. That revival's going to spread throughout the whole globe. Amen? And it'll be all flesh. Glory to God. But somebody made the statement, I don't pray for revival. I am revival. Because revival starts on the inside of us. Amen? And we're, we're, we're revived. We're alive. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. And everywhere we go, supernatural things take place. So we're talking about, you know, uh, effective, powerful prayer and the principles therein. And in, in, in uh, John 15, uh, read this as our main text here. Jesus said, if you abide, in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. All right. So we brought up the fact that, that to get, have effective, powerful prayers, we have to learn how to pray God's Word. Praying God's Word. Amen. Let me give you an example. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, He that hath begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? So in other words, God started something and He's going to finish it. He that hath begun a good work will complete it until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you can actually say, Father, I'm praying this for myself or I'm praying this for somebody else. And I pray Philippians 1.6 over them that the good work you began in them, you will complete it. Hallelujah. Till the time of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Well, you can pray, uh, you know, 3 John 2. The Apostle Paul says, I pray above all things that you, or wish, it says wish in the King James, but it's the word pray. I pray above all things that you would prosper, be in health, even as your soul prospers. Amen? Amen. That's the will of God. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. And so Jesus said, if you abide in me, that's being born again. Mm-hmm. Number two, he said, if my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Amen? Mm-hmm. And we know that from First John he said this, same, same author but different letter. He said, uh, you know, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Amen. So the, when the will of God is known. Now, for example, if, if you don't know it's my will to give you this Bible, Okay, you wouldn't have the confidence necessarily to come up to me after the service and say, can I have that Bible? Okay, but if I made a declaration, the first person that comes up to me after the service that reaches me to this pulpit, I will give you this Bible. Now, my will has been made known unto you. There's an expectation in you because the will was made known. Now you act on that. Are you with me? And so God's Word is God's will. And what He said in His Word is always His will. And that's why we can have absolute confidence 
and not pray haphazardly. And, you know, the more word that we know about any given subject, the more confidence and the more faith that we'll have that when it comes time to praying, that's mine. I take it now in Jesus' name. Amen? Healing is one of those things. Health and healing. We just read the scripture in 3 John 2. Beloved, I pray above all things that you would prosper, be in health, even as your soul prospers. That's God's will. God wants me to... See, you know, some people think prosperity is a dirty word, but it's actually a biblical word. And prosperity is more than just dollar signs. That's part of it. But prosperity in your body means you're healthy. You're going to have prosperity in your soul, right? Where your soul was renewed with the word of God. You can have prosperity in your relationships with your family members, right? God wants us to prosper in every single one of those areas. That's his will. But he said, John said it like this, pray that you would prosper, be in health, even as your soul prospers. Yes, it's God's will, but we pray for it. We claim it. It belongs to us. Amen. And so uh, that's the first principle. We talk about praying God's word. Number two, we begin to talk about uh, this, this is such a powerful thing. Go over to Romans chapter 5 real quick. Romans chapter 5. We talked about the power of understanding righteousness when it comes to effective, powerful prayers. Amen? The power of righteousness. In Romans 5.17, I'm just reviewing right here. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one. Who's that talking about? Who? Adam. Who's the offense? Who death reigned by? That's Adam, right? Much more they which receive. I love that. Much more. <laughs> That's throughout the book of Romans. Much more. Much more. Not just more, but much more. They which receive. Now that's a key. Receive. Abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now the Amplified says reign as kings in this life. Hallelujah. So, here's something that we have to see that, according to this scripture here, that there's abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, but it has to be received. It has to be received. Now, let me just say this. There's a lot of believers that are in the earth today that are untaught in these particular things. Not everybody, but a lot of believers... Don't understand righteousness. They think it's something that you do. Amen? But righteousness is something that you're born with when you become born again. You don't work for that. You don't strive for that. Well, I'm sure trying to be righteous today, Brother Keith. Amen? That's like a person saying, well, I'm sure trying to be a man today when you're a male. Are you with me now? No, you were born one or the other. Right? That's a revelation to some people nowadays, isn't it? I don't know if I'm a man or a woman. Well, there's a good way to check. Are you with me now? Praise the Lord. Go figure. Who would ever thought, right? But see, the devil is the author of confusion. And he has men thinking they're women and men, women thinking they're men. It's so sad. It's a lie from the pit of hell to the minds of people. Are you with me? Well, when you got born again, you weren't half sinner and half righteousness. You weren't a mixed breed. Amen. When you were born again, you received the gift of righteousness. So, in other words, you can't work for it. It's something that's yours. Now, I have found, and others have too, that when people that are Christians understand that they are righteous before God, sin breaks its hold off of them. So in other words, if they're struggling with something in the flesh, some sin in the flesh, whatever that may be, when they acknowledge in the midst of that, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Glory be to God. Now, uh, you know, Brother Keith Moore talked about this one testimony of a guy that was having problems with nicotine, with smoking, okay? Now, God doesn't want you putting that junk in your body, first of all, right? But there are some people that come to the Lord and they, they were addicted before that, you know, and they still have that habit and so forth, you know, even though they're born again. 
And so uh, this, this guy, this is a true story. This young man came to Brother Keith, you know, and said, I've done everything I know to do. I've, I've tried, I've tried, you know, to get delivered from spoken, and I just go right back to it. And I don't, I don't think he expected to hear what he heard because Brother Keith Moore said this. He goes, I'll tell you what, he goes, I'll, I'll tell you what to do, how to get victory over this. The next time you pull out one of those cigarettes and you light it up, all right, say out loud, I am the righteousness of God and I have victory over this. And the guy said, you mean while I'm puffing it on, this, on the cigarette? He goes, yeah, say it. Okay. <laughs> you know? And uh, he went on and on. He kept, he kept saying this. He said, you, just, you do this when, when you feel that you have to have a cigarette. You say, I am the righteousness of God. I am delivered from smoking. He said, that went on for a few weeks. But he said, and he felt funny saying it because you know, here he is puffing on a cigarette and he's saying, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Right? Instead of saying, you lousy thing, you look at what you're doing. Right? That's condemnation. That doesn't help anybody. But see, this man was a believer, but he had an addiction. Okay? And the key to overcoming anything in the flesh is to decree and to declare what God says about you. Not what it seems to appear at the moment. And he said the most amazing thing happened. He said after a couple of weeks, he said... All of a sudden, he says, I don't need these anymore. And he got rid of them. And he said, the desire for nicotine left. Amen. And he came back to Keith. He says, glory to God, what you told me worked. He goes, I felt really funny saying it. I felt really funny declaring it. But the fact of the matter is, you can be born again, spirit-filled, speaking with tongues, and still addicted to nicotine. But you're still the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. So what I'm saying is this, when you realize your position in God, your position in Christ, you, you come from a platform of victory and not defeat. You're saying, I am free in Jesus' name. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, it seems funny to the mind, but the fact of the matter is that's the way God sees us. And the man got free. Others have gotten free the same way by making declarations of what Jesus, what God has said about us. So which, you know, it says, Much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. So in other words, you're going to be ruling and reigning in this life now. Amen? Amen. Brother Glenn in his testimony talked about the authority. I love that illustration that he gave. Amen? That, that, that authority, praise the Lord. When we begin to understand that righteousness is a gift. There's an abundance of grace, gift of righteousness, and we build on that. Then it says we're going to begin to reign in life. In other words, we're going to begin to rule over problem areas of our lives. Okay? Praise the Lord. Now I'll just quote this, but in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin who know no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen? We also see in, in James chapter 5, uh, I'm not going to turn there because of time, it says the effectual, James 5, 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The, King, the Amplified says the effectual fervent heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Man. So the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The word avail means can do much. Praise God. So uh, do you see yourself as a righteous man or woman? That's how we need to see ourselves. And the Bible says that God hears us. We also see in Ephesians I'm just going to quote this because of time in Ephesians chapter 6, you know, where it talks about putting on the armor of God. In verse 14, it says, Stand therefore having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, no doubt Paul was looking at a Roman soldier because he was in prison when he wrote this. And they have a breastplate when they go to war, like a literal breastplate. And that breastplate protects the vital organs, the heart, the lungs, 
right? Okay. And he says, righteousness is a breastplate. It's vitally important. It protects the vital parts of our life. Amen. How many of you know you can't live without a heart? You can, you can live without one lung. You can live without one ear, one hand, one leg, right? But you can't live without a heart. Hallelujah. And the heart is the spirit of man. And the Bible says, it says we're to put on righteousness as a breastplate. Okay? So it's righteousness that we're to put on. Knowing that we're righteous. We stand right before God. What's one of the ways that we can do that? When you wake up in the morning, you can say it like this or similar. You could say, Father, I thank you that I am righteous according to the word of God. That is not a statement of pride. That is a statement of fact. Because we're not bragging on what we've done. We're bragging on what Jesus Christ did. Jesus made you righteous, made me righteous. And I don't call myself unrighteous anymore because that was me back before Jesus, B.C. But now I'm born again. Jesus Christ is in my heart. And when you realize that you're righteous before God, a sense of unworthiness and a sense of guilt will be banned from you. Do you ever notice that it's hard to pray when you have a sense of guilt? Especially guilt. You know the devil's really good at pound guilt on people. Amen. You should have done more. You didn't do enough. You know, and feeling guilty all the time. Well, the fact of the matter is there's always more we can be doing. I could be doing more, but I'm still righteous. Amen. And James, I think it's James says, Happy is a man that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. <laughs> Do you know that even when you miss it, God is not condemning you? Because if he condemned you, there would be no way back. But he did condemn one man. God condemned Jesus. He made him to be sin, the sacrifice of sin. The Bible says it pleased the Lord God to bruise Jehovah, Jesus, for our sake. Amen? And to redeem us from a guilty conscience and purge us from a guilty conscience. So, you know, there's sin consciousness. We talked about that last week when people are sin conscious. You know, it's like a baseball player one time in the World Series, many in the 60s, 1960s. True story. A, uh, in the final game, the seventh game of the World Series, and I can't remember which team it was, the, uh, uh, the pitcher called timeout, ran out to the mound where the guy was pitching. He says, I'll tell you what. He goes, do not throw this particular pitch because he'll hit it out of the park. Okay? This is what the catcher, you know how they have a board meeting in the middle of the game? They go out to the mound there. Okay? You know about that, Peg, don't you? Baseball. And uh, they have a little chit-chat session right there. There's thousands of people watching them. He says, do not throw this particular kind of pitch. Well, you know, the catcher ran back. The pitcher was thinking to himself. This is his testimony. He says, don't throw this kind of pitch. Don't throw this kind of pitch. What did he do? He got up there and he threw the thing he didn't want to throw. And what happened? The rest is history. Out of the park. Amen? So if you focus on what, not doing the right thing, on the wrong thing, you'll end up doing that. Okay? But just focus on the right thing. Focus on doing the right thing. Listen, if you read one scripture a day, you're doing good. You take one scripture, one verse, one verse. I take a verse and I feed on it all day long. While I'm going about my business, I'll take a scripture, meditate on it, think it over, speak it out under my breath, you know. And I just, I'm having a continual feast. Every, all day long, all day long. If I'm laying in bed at night and I can't go to sleep right away, I take that same scripture or another scripture, I'll ponder it over my mind again, and all of a sudden revelation will begin to come. See, the birthing place for revelation is meditation. The birthing place for revelation of God's word is meditate. Think it, say it, ponder. Amen? Now, it's interesting because, you know, uh, the Lord told Joshua, and he took over whose place? Moses. <laughs> That's right, brother. He took over Moses' position. Big shoes to fill, right? 
<laughs> and the Lord came to Joshua and said, Moses, thy servant is dead. He goes, now it's your turn. <laughs> Don't you know he felt inadequate? I mean, the Bible says Moses was the greatest of prophets. I mean, signs, wonders, miracles. Whew, dear Lord. And yet Joshua was now chosen because he followed Moses closely. Where do you think he got the spirit of faith that he had to command the sun to stand still? Where do you get that? Joshua and Caleb, give me this mountain when they're 85 years old. They didn't say, give me a rocking chair. They said, give me this mountain. Amen? Spirit of faith. The Bible even says regarding Joshua and Caleb in Numbers chapter 14, he says, Joshua, my servant, and Caleb have another spirit. What do they have? Spirit of faith. We can do this because they're not looking to themselves. They're looking to God. Anytime you look to God, unnatural Unnatural things can look natural, right? Impossible things will now look possible because we're not looking to ourselves. We're looking to God. Joshua and Caleb, the reason they were strong in faith is they weren't, they weren't looking to those people. They weren't looking to the giants. They were looking to God, Jehovah. They were looking to Him. And that's the reason that they could overcome any obstacle, run through a troop and leap over a wall. Same with David, the same thing. And the reason that they can do exploits that we read about in the Bible is because their eyes were on the Lord while the rest of Israel was on themselves. They said, we're grasshoppers. We're small. We're, we don't have what it takes. We're in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were. <laughs> well, they were seeing themselves after the flesh. Well, Joshua and Caleb and David and others that we read about we're not looking at themselves according to the flesh. The Bible even says in Corinthians, it says, we're not to know one another after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Oh, that'll change life. When you see yourself the way God sees you and others around you. Amen? If you came in here this morning with any discouragement whatsoever, any discouragement whatsoever, your eyes are on the wrong thing. They're on the natural, not God. Now, that's not, I'm not heaping condemnation. I'm just saying, if I'm discouraged, if I'm sorrowful and sad about anything, it's because I'm looking to the flesh instead of God. Amen? And I have to make a choice on a daily basis. I am not going to lean on the arm of the flesh. I'm not going to lean on the natural. I'm going to lean on God. I'm going to lean on Him. And every time I do that, I come out on top, <laughs> no matter what it is. Now, I'm not something special, but we have a special Jesus. We're all in the same boat together, okay? A preacher doesn't have more of an anointing to live this any more than anybody else. We're all in the natural, in the same position, okay? But we all have the same God that we can look to to bring us out of defeat into victory in every situation. Hallelujah. So the breastplate covers the most vital part, the breastplate of righteousness. Say, I am righteous, I am righteous. by the blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Now, this is what people need. This is what church folks need. They don't need someone to jump through the hoop and entertain people and blow smoke and have flashing lights. Okay? What we need is word, W-O-R-D. We need word because that's the part that's going to give us victory. If you're being tempted by the devil and you blow smoke at him, he's going to stay right there. If, you, if he tempts you and you flash lights at him, he's not leaving. He'll probably stay. You understand what I'm saying? It's not natural things. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of Jesus that makes all the difference in the world. And I'm so thankful for the presence of God and the presence of Jesus. Amen? You see, you have to understand, I see myself preaching before hundreds and hundreds of people right now. I look out by faith, I see hundreds of people, hundreds. When Jesus was on the cross, he had you and me on his mind. I'm not just talking about the song, but he was looking down thousands and millions of people. He was looking at the future. He was seeing through the eye of faith the people that his blood sacrifice would redeem. And you and I were there. When he was on that cross, we were in his mind. 
Praise God for that. So let's go to the third principle here of uh, effective prayers to get effective results. Uh, Go to John chapter 14 real quick here. John chapter 14. So we, we, uh, the first key again is you have to have the word abiding in you. You're born again, but have the word abiding in you. Number two, understand your righteousness, your place, that you have right standing with God. Amen. Don't ever say from this moment forward, I feel so unworthy, Brother Keith. I just feel so unworthy. Well, your feelings can deceive you big time. Amen. Like I said, I'm a man whether I feel like it or not. Okay? I was born that way. Praise the Lord. It's a fact. When you got saved and you got born again, God said you're righteous, you were holy, as if sin never existed in your life. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And if you, if you understand that and take that mindset, then sin will have no dominion over you. No dominion. Amen? I made a choice back in 1979 to, uh, because all my friends were partiers. All my friends would drink and party. You know what I'm trying to say. And I started to get into that as a, as a you know, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, probably 18 years old more, you know. And, uh, and I remember... I went to a New Year's Eve party down at my friend's house, actually. And uh, he had two older brothers that, uh, you know, it's New Year's Eve, right? And they, uh, they made me a drink with some vodka in it, you know. I didn't realize that they had put, like, half of it was vodka. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and I'm not used to drinking, you know what I'm saying? I mean, if I took a little tiny sip, I'd probably be drunk, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm not used to that. Well, they gave me, uh, <laughs> uh, needless to say, orange juice and vodka, and I just went down, you know, and all of a sudden it hit me like a freight train. Oh, God. The whole room was spinning, you know. And I went to go use the restroom down on the steps, and I fell down the steps, didn't feel anything. I mean, a flight of steps. I rolled down there, and I was at the bottom of the steps looking up. I didn't feel any pain, you know. And, uh, and here I am, a believer, Okay. And then it hit me in my stomach and I was hugging the toilet, okay? And here I am, born again, spirit-filled at this time. Wasn't actually, didn't know I was called to the ministry at that point. And I mean, I felt so bad on the inside. I felt so bad. And it was a snowy January night, of course, January 1st. And my friend drove me home because I couldn't drive, Okay? The whole world was spinning and moving, you know. And, uh, and I'll never forget, I got out of the car and I ran down. My parents, you know, they, when they lived where they lived, they had a massive backyard, okay. And it's like an acre long, real big yard. And there was maybe about that much snow on the ground at that time. This is back in like, you know, 78, 79, right around that time. And, uh, and I ran down in the middle of the yard. I could t- take you to the very spot that it happened. I ran down. I fell on my knees. And I cried out to God. I said, God, please have mercy on me. Forgive me. You know? And I promise you, oh, this is over. I'm not touching it ever again. Okay? And so I went up into the house. You know, my mother came down, you know, and she had mercy on me. Amen? <laughs> but, oh, I was sick for a couple of days. Oh, God. You know? It was, it was terrible, you know. I made a quality decision at that point, back then, and I said, I will never touch a drop of alcohol as long as I live on this earth again. Never. Never. Okay? Now, this is a, this is a choice that I made. Okay? From that time to this, alcohol hasn't been a problem. Matter of fact, you can't even tempt me with it. You can hand me all kinds of real expensive wines and vodkas and anything. You could give it to me, pile it up in my house. 
And I would look at it and say, I don't want you. Because I know what it did. And I'm not going to let something control my mind. I don't want nothing but God having my mind. Amen? So from that time to this, to God be the glory, haven't touched it. Amen? So I'm better off for it. I have more money. I have my bright mind. I wake up happy in the morning. Amen? Because once you make a quality decision about something with the power of righteousness, see, it wasn't me just doing it. I said, Lord, I need your help here. You know what I'm saying? Because really, after that, after that happened, there was other occasions, plenty, that I could have got involved with that. And it was a process, you know, but I didn't go back to it, you know. And I, I made my mind up, you know. I don't want that. I'm a righteous man. Righteous people don't do that kind of stuff. Amen? See, that's the whole reason that people do some of this stuff is because they're trying to, you know, either conform to what other pressure from other people or they're trying to cover a pain up in their life. You know what I'm saying? But God is the one that can help us when we're hurting. Not some joint, not some drink, not some drug. God is going to help us. He's called the Most High. Go figure. Amen. This third thing that we're going to talk about here is in John chapter 14. Look at verse 12. See, I think helping, sharing some of these things will really, you know, help us in these areas. You know, because we're all different. We all have different struggles and stuff. People have different struggles. But the principles always work. In John 14, verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now notice this, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now the word ask means demand. Hallelujah. So in other words, we have been given, I hope everybody understands this phrase, the power of attorney. Does everybody understand what that means? Everybody understand what that means? You have been given the power of attorney to use the name of Jesus. And when you use that name, all heaven will back you up. But so, you know, for so many years, people use it like a rabbit's foot, like pull it up in the name of Jesus. Well, you have to have revelation of it first, okay? Now, you know, I'm just going to refer to it in the book of Acts, the seven sons of Sceva. Remember that? And they were observing, they were watching what Paul was doing, casting out devils, healing the sick, you know, demons were coming out, you know. So they got the bright idea that they found some some guy that was demon-possessed. And they went over and they said, we, ad we adjure you to come out, the, the God that, that belongs to Paul and so forth, you know, come out. And the devil that was in this man, these are seven, one, on, one against seven, the devil that was in that guy got up and beat them and stripped off their clothes. <laughs> That's what it says. You got seven naked people running around, you know what I'm saying? And the devil just whooped on them, man, you know? And the, the devil spoke up inside of that, that demon, inside that person says, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? <laughs> See, they didn't have a right to use the name of Jesus. They didn't have a revelation of the name. And that's why the devil said, I know Paul and I know Jesus, but who in the world are you? you like to see that rerun when we get to heaven? <laughs> but we have been given the right, you and me have been given the right, and we're talking about effective, powerful prayer, to use the name of Jesus. 
So he says, I say, you know, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, you're going to do also. That's awesome. And you're going to do greater than these because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I'll do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Oh, that's awesome. Jump down to verse 25 of John 14. Okay. Now this third principle that we're looking at here is pray in the name of Jesus. We're not praying in the name of Muhammad. We're not praying in the name of Confucius or some guru. There's no power but there is power in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Brother Copeland talked about a, an actual testimony of a guy that was on an airline. And, and the, I don't know if they were landing what the situation was, but the whole plane caught on fire. And the flames were moving back rapidly inside the aircraft. In the fuselage, right? Well, there's no way out there in the natural, okay? And he said he just went on the knowledge that he'd been taught correctly. The name of Jesus has power over this, okay? And he said he stood up and lifted up his hand with boldness. He says, in the name of Jesus, you stop right now. He said that fire just stopped and it couldn't come past. Amen? Amen? Now, that's powerful, isn't it? But see, the name of Jesus doesn't belong more to one person than someone else. That's You know, the name, like us, for example, how many of you know the Lord? Well, the name of Jesus has been distributed equally to each and every one of us here, and there's just as much power and authority for you to use the name of Jesus as it was the Apostle Paul. Or some other minister, right? You have the name of of Jesus. I have the name of Jesus. Now in John 14, verse 25, these things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in, notice this, in my name. He comes in his name. He will teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I, I have said unto you. Verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace give I unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So we are to address the Father in the name of Jesus. And when we use the name, that being said, go to Acts chapter 3 real quick here, verse 1. Acts chapter 3. And I want to, I want to show you something here in Acts chapter 3. I believe there's an anointing that's building in this atmosphere right now inside of us. Faith is growing inside of us because we're hearing the Word of God. And I'm telling you, you're going to have a new boldness. Instead of put up, putting up with the devil harassing you, you're going to say, in the name of Jesus, you stop right now. You stop harassing me. Amen? You know, there's one thing that's common to all of us. All of us have 24 hours in one day. Isn't that right? That we're on equal grounds there, right? We all have 24 hours a day. And there's something else that's rather interesting that's common to every human being on the planet. And that is we have a mind that can have evil thoughts come against our mind. Every person, Christian, spirit-filled on this earth from time to time has bad thoughts come to them that their heart regrets. But that doesn't mean that's your thought. You with me now? If you're a child of God, I mean, how many of you, as a Christian, you've had an evil thought about somebody else? Okay. Sometimes on a daily basis. Right? Aren't you glad we don't act those out all the time? The devil can do very little in the earth unless he has a person's mind. Amen? Divorce starts in the mind. Separation starts in the mind. Anger starts as a thought. It all starts in the thought realm. Okay? 
So if we can stop the enemy and the avenger in our thinking first, there's very little that the devil can carry out. When it says put on the helmet of salvation, well, that protects your head. Okay? That's not just knowing that you're saved. We know that. Okay? But protecting your soul, protecting your mind. Okay? Guard your mind. Protect your mind. Okay? I, I don't just go along. You know, I remember when I was a teenager, actually younger than I was, probably 13 years old, I was working in a grocery store called McGinnis's. Okay? That was in our neighborhood. I was working there. And, and this is in the, in the mid-70s. You know, when they first came out with those, uh, those bug lights, you know, and, and back by the deli where they were cutting meat and stuff like that, they would have a door f- goes to the outside. And a lot of times they would have to prop it open because deliveries would come, right? Well, as a result, you know, critters would get in, flies would get in, you know, and, and uh, you know, not a good thing. You don't want flies landing on good meat, right? So they got one of these big, long lights, you know, that, and uh, I'd, I'd never seen it before, but they got one of these lights. And you could always tell when a bug got fried. I could be in the front of the store and I hear something just got electrified. And the bigger the bug, the louder it was. Okay? And so at the end of the day, I'd get back there and peek in there and say, man, there's a row of dead critters all through there. All kind of dead fly. Because as soon as they made contact with that electrical thing, it killed them on the spot. Several years later, I was thinking that's exactly the way the renewed mind should work is when a satanic thought comes to our mind, a bad negative thought comes to our mind, the Holy Ghost says, zap that thing, that doesn't belong to you. Immediately cast that thing down. No, that's not my thought. You see, it's not wrong to have a bad thought. It's not wrong to be tempted. If it were wrong to be tempted, Jesus was the greatest sinner of all. He was tempted in all points like as we, yet he didn't sin. So you can have a thought that comes to you. It's a negative thought. The devil can say, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take you out. You're going to get this disease. You know, this is going to happen, you know, right? Or you're going to get in some dreaded accident. Something's going to happen, you know. He's always talking through fear, fear, fear. Actually, The devil has no voice outside of fear. How do you know if the enemy is talking to you? Does he appear in a red suit, pitchfork, horns, red eyes? No. He comes in the form of a thought that's fear-filled. What about this? What about the power of suggestion? Okay? And the battlefield really is in the mind. That's where it starts. It's in our minds, okay? And if we want to have, God wants all of us here, every one of us to have peace. He doesn't want, he doesn't want us going through our week filled with turmoil and worry and fretting and upset all the time, losing our peace. He doesn't want that for us. God wants us to have supernatural peace. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Your word and your spirit, they comfort me rod and staff, okay? And so the pastor can't cast down your imaginations for you. I can't do it. I cannot fight your battles in the sense that I can cast down your imaginations. You have to do that. Nor can anyone else cast down my imaginations. Would you please pray for me that I won't have these thoughts anymore? Okay, we'll die and go to heaven. The only way that you're never going to be tempted again by the devil is to leave this earth and go to heaven. (laughs) But God, let me tell you something. God has fully arrayed us with the armor that we need in this life now to be effective against all the thwarts, all the uh, attacks, schemes, and strategies of the enemy that would try to come against us. He's given us the full armor. We have the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. Hallelujah. When Glenn used that testament, in that testament, he used the word of God against the enemy. Guess what? The devil left. Amen? 
And that we have to do that. We can't just lay back and say, oh, geez, I'm being beat up in my mind. I'm just being beat up. Well, open your mouth and say what the Word of God says. Praise God. Speak it. Declare it. Well, I just don't feel like it. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Let us plead together. Amen. That's what it says in Isaiah, right? Praise God. What time is it here? We're running out of time. Okay, Acts chapter 3. We'll read this and we'll close here this morning. But in Acts chapter 3, we're talking about the power of attorney to use the name of Jesus. And you have that power. You have the authority. Praise the Lord. If I get in on, if I'm, you know, going to fly somewhere and I get on an airplane, you know, um, my wife's extremely diligent at this stuff. It's awesome, you know. And uh, we'll lay hands on the plane we're getting on, you know, you can just, as you're going through that little crossover there to get on the plane. In the name of Jesus, this plane is going to pass over to the other side. No harm will befall it. We're going to the other side. So we get on the airplane, sit there, and just relax. Be at peace. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the scenery. And there's other people gripping the seat. Amen. White knuckles. <laughs> I'm thinking, boy, you know, you can have peace right now. Hallelujah. Is in the name of Jesus. We're going to the other side. I'm not, I'm not afraid at all. Amen. I've been on some airplanes before. You know, they had some big turbulence, you know. I look at it like a roller coaster. Let's enjoy this ride. <laughs> Amen. I remember one time we went to a Kenneth Hagin's Holy Ghost meeting in St. Louis, you know, years ago. But to get there, we had to catch a plane from Pittsburgh to Cleveland and then from Cleveland to somewhere else. It was like all these different flights, you know. And we got on one of these little planes and it was flying over the lake in the middle of the wintertime. And I mean, we were bouncing up and down. I never saw, I thought, hallelujah, this is awesome. You know what I mean? But we're going to the other side. Amen. I mean, I felt like a basketball bouncing up and down inside that aircraft, you know. But over here in, in, in Acts chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now Peter and John went up into the temple at the hour of bingo. Whoa, what's that say now? Peter and John went up to the temple or the church for the hour of what? Prayer. Being about the ninth hour. Hmm. So they were a praying church, weren't they? And it says, There was a certain man lame from his mother's womb who was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. Now you understand the temple had different gates, 12 to be exact. And one of the entryways into the temple was the gate called beautiful. Okay? And it says, asking alms of them that entered into the temple. So in other words, here's a young man, you know, that's lame from his mother's womb. Never had walked. Never had a first step. Okay? So he's in a position, he has to be a beggar to get people to give him money and so forth. Now, it says, uh, in verse 3, it says, Who's seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asking alms of Jesus? Asking alms, Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John and said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Now, what was he expecting? He was expecting, like everybody else, would give him money. But here's the thing the money isn't going to heal him. There's nothing wrong with silver and gold, but that's not what's going to heal this guy that's never walked a step in his life. Okay? So with that thought in mind, let's read the rest of this right here. In verse 5, he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something uh, of them. But Peter said, silver and gold have I none. Now, you can't build a doctrine on that to say they didn't have any silver or gold. He's making a point right here, right? Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. What did he have? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now notice that Peter didn't even pray. Didn't even pray. 
it's kind of interesting. It's another study altogether, but you'll find in the book of Acts, especially very few times does it say that they prayed. They just did what they were supposed to do in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And it says, uh, you know, in the name such as I have, give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Verse 7. He took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Hallelujah, that's a miracle. And he leaped up, stood, and walked, entered into the temple, walking, leaping, praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Can I have an amen? All right, now, they didn't even pray for the guy. But I believe that the gift of faith because this is something they did on a daily basis. They went up to the temple. That was a regular thing that they did at the hour of prayer. Okay, the early church. Now, when we're, when we're going about our Father's business, like they were praying, I guarantee you Peter and John didn't know that was going to happen even an hour before this time. They're used to going up. They're used to seeing this guy sit there, you know. No doubt Jesus probably passed that way too. Okay? But here he is, a beggar. Here he is begging for alms because he was crippled. Okay? But Peter and John said, we don't have silver and gold. Our wives have that. But such as I have, <laughs> such as I have, what did they have? Name of Jesus. Okay? So the gift of faith dropped. It wasn't they were just randomly saying, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? The Spirit of God led them. There was a gift beyond their faith called special faith in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And that can drop on any human being that's a Christian. That gift of faith where it's like, that's nothing. We can do this. Special faith, right? And Peter, I believe the gift dropped on him. He says, look on us. And the guy looked up, expecting. He was expecting something, but not what they were going to give him. But what, they, what he really needed was a miracle from God. They could have gave him all kind of talents of silver and gold, but he's going to be in the same boat next day. He's going to be in the same position. But the name of Jesus brought about a miracle in this man where he immediately felt strength in his lower extremities that he never felt before. And he was able to jump up, run, and leak. I mean, he haven't even learned how to walk yet. He was probably wobbly. Okay? But it got the attention of all the people of a miracle that Jesus Christ did. They used the power of attorney, the name of Jesus. Amen? Years ago, I remember when I was um, attending Bible school, in fact, this is my uh, Rainbow Bible Training Center. Just had their fortieth. Uh, it was forty years to the date. Forty years to the date that I graduated from Rainbow Bible Training Center. Forty years ago. My goodness, you know. And uh, um, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Holy Spirit, show me what that was. Oh yeah, yeah, and. Um, Anyway, it was my second year. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Sometimes I forget what I'm going to say, you know, and I need the Lord to help me with that, right? Bring me back to the main trail here, the main road, right? So I remember we were, you know, our second year. We had just gotten married. We're living in an apartment complex, right? And there's two floors. There's bottom level, top level, and they're separate buildings, all right? And um, uh, they were called Broken Arrow Apartments, I think is what they were, right? Broken Arrow Apartments. We were living there. And um, it's just right outside a mile or two from Bible school, right? And um, anyway, there was a couple that was living uh, beneath us. I actually hadn't met them before, but I saw them, and they were from Hawaii. And evidently, he was there. Was a, there was a, uh, um, a real big, uh, was it Donald Douglas, I think it is, the air, is that what's called the aircraft place where they build aircrafts and so forth? And that's in Tulsa. It's still there where they build aircrafts. Donald Donaldson, Douglas, something like that, you know. Anyway, he worked. He was working with them and so forth, building aircraft, you know. And um, 
And I remember one afternoon in particular, my wife was working. I was at home for some reason and between shifts where I worked. And, um, and beneath me, uh, and you have to understand, these walls are like paper thin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not a lot of privacy. And, um, and, and, and the, the husband of the wife, you know, I guess I'd never met him. I'd seen them before, probably waved to them, you know. But the guy started arguing with his wife. And it got more and more heated, more and more heated. Uh, and this would happen on a regular basis. But on this occasion, when he started arguing with her, he took it up to another level, to another level. And he st- I started hearing him smack her around and hit her, fall against the wall, things like that. I'm thinking, oh, my God, what's he going to do to this girl? You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm up in my second bedroom, my office, you know, I've got my study, and I'm trying to pray, and I'm hearing all this rape beneath me, like it's right there. And I'm thinking, what, is this going to escalate to the point where he's going to, like, kill her? I don't know. It sort of sounds like it. There was such anger, you know. And, uh, but something rose up on the inside of me. And I jumped up, and I jumped on the floor, and I said, in the name of Jesus, you stop that right now. Amen. I don't know they might have heard me. I don't know for sure. But all of a sudden it stopped. Just like that, it stopped. And you know, from that moment forward, I've never heard that happen again. I mean, it was alarming to hear that. A guy beating up on a woman. Are you kidding me? Don't pick on someone your own age or your own sex. You know what I'm trying to say here? You're beating up on your wife. You've got to be kidding me. You know what I'm saying? And... um. But I felt impressed to use the name of Jesus in this situation here. And, you know, I did see them afterwards, not that day, but I would see them. They would smile at me and, you know, be extra nice to me and stuff like that, you know. (laughs) But I thought, I'm glad that I, because I had been learning this stuff in school, right? The power of the name of Jesus and so forth, you know. I'm hearing this for the first time. But I noticed that when I used that name, that strife, that evil strife stopped. It stopped in the name of Jesus. And, and I'm, God is my witness. From that moment, you know, for months later after that, because I was still in school, for months later I never heard that escalate again. I never heard, a, you know, him raising his voice. Never happened again. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'll just close with this. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks unto God and the Father uh, by Him. He said, Whatever we do in word or deed, do it in the name of Jesus. Man, if you're going to do some exercise at a gym somewhere, I'm doing this in the name of Jesus. You'll get a better workout, I can tell you. Or if you're going to take a walk, you're going to go to work in the morning. You say, Lord, I'm going in the name of Jesus. And you would be surprised how different that day will become. He says, whatever we do in word or deed. You know, if you're going to have a, a vacation, a family vacation or something, you know, whatever, you know, you say, Father... In the name of Jesus, we're going to take this vacation in Jesus' name. So you interject God's name and God's, all who God is, is in his name. Amen. I know we don't have time here this morning, but you know, in uh, Mark 16, remember the Great Commission, Jesus said, go in all the world, preach the gospel, whatever creature, you know. In my name, you'll cast out devils or have authority over devils. In my name, you'll speak with new tongues. In my name, you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. But it's in my name. All that God is represented in that name. Satan, in the name of Jesus, you take your hands off my family member right now. In Jesus' name. And the Lord goes to work. There's such power and such authority in that name. He's given us a name which is above every name. 
that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, things and beings in heaven, beings in earth, and beings under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When you drive home from service today, did you enjoy today? I did. I had a great time here. Amen? Well, I get in my car. Father, we're traveling home in the name of Jesus. See, when you use that name, it's literally like taking the whole Bible and throwing it into the face of the devil. Because the name of Jesus is the whole Word of God. <laughs> when you use that name, you have been commissioned. You have the right, you have the right to use that. And there's no distance in the spirit realm. If you're praying for a loved one that lives miles away, maybe another city, another state, or even another country for that matter, the name of Jesus will work. It'll work. It'll work in the name of Jesus. I wish I had time, but I don't. But there's so many examples that are coming to my mind through the years, you know. And I want to just, just commission you this morning to, to rethink some of these things and re-stir up your spirit about the name of Jesus. You know, Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. That's what you said, Lord. So instantly I'm in the presence of God through the name of Jesus. So are you. So we're all in this together. Amen. Praise God. Father, thank you so much today. For the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name, which hath been given unto us, name above all names, name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's just take a moment thank him for that name. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. That name's above sickness and disease. That name is above tragedy. That name is above all principalities and powers. The name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There is a name, saith the Lord, that I've given to you, and that is my name, the name of Jesus, Yeshua. For you see, I've given you that name to use in this time now, not just in the future or not just in the past, but right now. I've given you that name. And in that name carries all power and all authority that you will ever need in this life. So step out in childlike faith and be bold to use the name of Jesus against the adversary. For you see, the enemy is terrified of that name. Demons are terrified at that name. So use that name. And as you use that name, those demons and devils that have harassed you and yea, even your loved ones shall be defeated and brought low even before your feet. For you see, the demons that are in this earth are subject unto you through my name. Because your name is written in heaven, you have authority from heaven to use my name. So use it. Use my name. Speak my name. Sing my name. And all will be well in your house, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, uh, uh, sometimes we, we can know these things. We've heard these things. We know these things, mentally speaking, right? But somehow, sometimes, and all of us are in that category, sometimes we let things slip, and we, we seem to lose grip of the fact how powerful that name is. That name is so powerful. Sickness, disease have to bow to that name. Oppression and depression, I'll say that again, oppression and depression have to bow to the name of Jesus. So let's just act on what the Lord spoke to us this morning. Amen.